If you were a dinosaur, my love, then you would be a T-Rex. You'd be a small one, only five feet, 10 inches, the same height as human you. You'd be fragile boned and you'd walk with as delicate and polite a gait as you could manage on massive talons. Your eyes would gaze gently from beneath your bony brow ridge. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. It's Short Story Short Podcast. I'm Chris. With here, as always, Uh, is... Christy Baxter. And Christy, what did we happen to read this week? We read If You Were a Dinosaur, My Love by Rachel Swirsky. Now, I'm going to take a personal moment here just to say how much this story has affected my life. Uh, My lovely wife and I, Vanessa, ran off and got married in New York. And this is in 2014. Uh, That was 75 years ago. Uh, And one of the first things she did, she said, so what stories do you like? And I I brought this one up because it had just been around. And we read it together crying uh, because it was so beautiful as a part of our wedding weekend. And hmm. and yeah, this is a story that strikes in so many different ways that leads you one direction that zigs exactly when you think it's going to zig, but in a way you don't expect it to zig. Very much zags. I was not expecting what I got from this story, the way that it led me down this path that at first it felt like it was just pretty flowers and then there were some roses with some thorns and then it was like Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty with the brambles all around the castle and green flames, but in a, in a horribly, horrifyingly realistic and painful way. And that's one of the things that gets me about it every time is that it is a beautifully written story. I mean, just one phrase that always gets me is, if all I needed was something blue, I'd run across the church, heels clicking on the marble until I reached a vase in the front pew. Wow. I mean, just like it encapsulates everything that is both the cliche of running across the church to get the one thing, the one perfect magical item that's needed to complete this ritual, more or less. Uh, But at the same time, it's so banal. And that moment, I feel like, is just about the turning point because you have that connection of the hydrangeas for the wedding that that runs from this, this science fictional fantastical world of the the speakers love being a dinosaur. And then you have that hard reality that comes where the hydrangeas are still a part of it and a heartbreaking part of it. And so, yeah, I feel like that's really just, it's right in that paragraph where it starts to just crush you. It's just the very beginning of the crushing. It's one of the few stories where when I read it, I know I should be destroyed by it. And at the same time, it's just so precise and so beautiful and it brings so much to you that it's incredibly affecting, but at the same time, it's elevated you so far that it's not like soul crushing. It's not like watching uh, Dancer in the Dark, uh, the most depressing movie ever made, um, but it's more like that, that sort of perky goth sadness that uh, I attempt to achieve every day of my life. Uh, 
there's there's some amazing things here. One, I have a friend whose actual theory is that it is not a genre story, that it is a speculative fiction story, but it's not genre. And when I stop to think about it, I'm like, well, it's obviously speculative fiction because it's written in the subjunctive, which is the mood of speculation. But it has this this overarching idea that it is someone dragging into their hopes and their dreams, creating this exterior world, this magical world to deal with a very real world pain. Yes, very much. It is sometimes we need fantasy and to help us deal with pain. Sometimes we need the fantasy of being stronger or our loved ones being able to be stronger to handle the harsh realities that we're faced with daily, the brutal, brutal realities and the, the pain that other humans can inflict on us. And we we need that just to get by because that reality can, can crush you just like the story does. Although I don't want to get pedantic and wrapped up in this, but you cannot be speculative fiction and not be genre. So I just had to <laughs> pedantry over. I'm done. But I just had, I just had to throw that out there. It just, it's, it is what it is. Um, the movie Hugo. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Um, but there's so much here. One, Rachel Swirsky herself is one of the finest wordsmiths we have working, particularly in short form right now. She's been nominated for the Hugo, I think, four times. The the girl who picked flowers beneath the queen's window being another phenomenal, and I'm sure I butchered the name of that also, but it's close enough. Um, but this is the one I think that has the most effect. It actually caused a massive issue uh, when we were having a thing called the sad puppies. This was actually pointed to as one of the terrible examples of the highfalutin, you know, forgot all about what science fiction and fantasy is supposed to be about stories. To which I say, this is actually the best example of what fiction can do, how it can move you, how it can actually change your life and become a part of it in a way that allows you to express yourself and to deal with big emotions through a fantastical realm. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what it does. And this idea that it's uh, an example of speculative fiction going into some sort of bad territory is ridiculous because, yeah, it is exactly what it's supposed to do. Speculative fiction is supposed to both help us imagine a better world and help us deal with the real world. And it's... In a, in a way, in a sense, completely removed from the story, as silly as it sounds to say that imagining a loved one as a dinosaur is a way of coping with reality. It's when you put it into the larger sense of imagining that a loved one is more powerful to be able to deal with that in, in a more primeval sense, then yeah, it's exactly what I think speculative fiction is supposed to be doing and should, should have been doing all along. Exactly. Ah, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really wanted to point out in a way that, on a technical note, a way that I feel that this story lulls you into that sense of false security before hitting you just in that completely painful way is this almost sonnet-like repetitions 
at the beginning of those first few paragraphs of, of the, the idea that carries through from paragraph one, if you were a dinosaur, you'd be a T-Rex. Paragraph two, if you were a T-Rex, I'd become a zookeeper and sing you lullabies. Paragraph three, if I sang you lullabies, and it's sort of just, it's almost, it is like a lullaby in that way that it lulls you into the sense that everything is going to be fine. And then you get slowly the creeping in of heartbreak. And then it, it, it is so masterfully done that it's, it hurts both the actual reading of the story and the realization that I could never do this. <laughs> I could never pull this off. So it's, it's both personally and on a more elevated level, societally painful. Yes, I love the, so when I always look at a writer, I look at a writer for whether they are writing chapters, pages, paragraphs, or sentences. And it actually gets harder the lower down that timescale you get. And Rachel writes sentences. Amazingly beautiful, well-constructed, uh, flowing sentences. And, you know, you only have to look at one to really get how far into her writing she is in her brain. And one of San Jose's owns, I should point out. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> local girl done good. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It actually has that sense of, what is it, a renga? Uh, the, the Japanese poem that is a haiku, a two-line section, and then another haiku, and then the two-line section. And some of them don't relate to one another necessarily, but they all flow from one another. Um, or an exquisite corpse is the other thing, sort of. Has that sensation of connectedness which pulls you through. And the beautiful thing is the transitions are not at all showy. And a lot of times when authors are doing things like that, and I'm thinking of Kim Stanley Robinson is one who does it a lot, it becomes showy. It becomes, this is what the story is doing. Here, she just does it. And that just, <laughs> head bloody. And it's, it's again, that, that showiness would pull you out of the story and, and, and take away some of that immersion that you get, but just that complete pulling you in that it does is, is another, just one of the many factors in what makes this work so well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, I think this is one of those ones that I am so glad we get to cover because one, I'd already read it, so I didn't have to read it again, um, saving time. Um, <laughs> But two, it is an excellent example of how the form has evolved. And if you compare, let's say, the last question, which has a lot actually in common structurally to If You Were a Dinosaur, My Love, um, and how the evolution particularly of the prose technique used, I think really shows how far the genre has come. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. So uh, I just had one more thing to be, to be too modern. That idea that you're lulled into complacency by the first section, uh, I think if you, if you quote the Mimi parlance of the day, she had me in the first half. <laughs> yeah, she literally had me by the time you get to, uh, I would become a zookeeper so I could spend all my time with you. Just, uh, there's a lot to unpack in that sentence, believe it or not. <laughs> but once you get there, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. This also, is an oh, wow of a story. Best way to put it. 
Well, hey, Christy. What, Chris? What are we going to talk about next week? Next week, we are going to talk about A Study in Emerald by Neil Gaiman. Excellent. So many things to talk about there. I can't wait. (laughs) Well, until next week, thank you, Christy. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It has been a blast as always, even if it was a heartbreaking one. (laughs) Well, you know what they say, you can't make an omelet without being generally depressed. Uh, That is the common saying, I believe. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, this has been Short Story. Short Podcast. Short Podcast.